Welcome to a Radiance Women's Conference podcast. Thank you, everyone. Wasn't that beautiful? Please take your seats. That was just absolutely gorgeous. Thank you so much. I love Lauren Daigle. She goes on play in my home (laughs) quite a lot in my car. Well, wasn't that wonderful brunch? Did you enjoy some chat, catch up with some girls you haven't seen for a while? I think that's one of the blessings, hey, of being um, coming together like this, that uh, we get to catch up with people you don't always get to see. And uh, and thank you, Sue, again, Sue. You're just um, your family is so gorgeous. And uh, we were just talking over in the in the room there, and um, you know, it's there's quite a lot to be said for longevity and um, being able to you know commit to the path and and follow through. There's great blessing that goes um, generationally. Um, today, um, this, um, this session, I want to follow on with what um, we said in the, um, the first one, but I want to unpack a couple of aspects um, um, in this using um, the story of Elijah and um, the two wells that, uh, that we find in Scripture. And so we talked about resting, stop and reflect, to rest and listen, Delight and share, encounter and enjoy. So those those words, can you say with me? Stop, rest, delight, encounter. Encounter. Yeah, this, this is what we uh, you try and take that away and, uh, and uh, put that into your life rhythm. So we're developing the best work-rest rhythm. Prayer is an important component in that. Rest, strengthening and developing our relationships and work. We have to work, all of us, as mothers, as women, um, grandmothers. um, There doesn't seem to be a stop to that. And somehow in the midst of all that, we need to um, enter into his rest. So why do we do this? This is a core spiritual discipline. I believe. These are core spiritual disciplines that that put framework around our lives, like the bookends. It keeps everything together. Um, When we we do this, we actually resist the principalities and powers from taking um, domination over our lives. When you have these regular core spiritual disciplines of prayer and taking time out with God and listening and getting into the word, it actually prevents the enemy um, from taking strongholds in our lives. It develops, when you develop play into your life, it makes life enjoyable and fun and it, and it teaches your children and your grandchildren. Play is so important to children, isn't it? And you know, we, we forget as adults, how to play. I've been reminded again with my little grandchildren to play and the importance it, to take time out to play. And we're made in God's image and likeness and God often plays and surprises us with his goodness and, um, and his good nature. So and this creates a place also of revelation where you can... Um, take you know, take that time to just download and receive that download from the Father hearts, from His heart. Why don't we pray right now? And let's just invite again the Holy Spirit, Lord. We just thank you for this beautiful time that we can share. Thank you that you are always with us. We love the sound of your robes as you come into the room, 
And Lord, as we sing, we hear praise, we hear worship, but you hear faith. And Lord, I thank you for every one of my sisters here this, this day. Take the words that I've prepared that you've put in my heart and Lord, let them be light, let them be life. Let them produce the harvest in our lives and in our families that you desire. We give you permission, Holy Spirit, to work in and through us. We are listening and our hearts are open. We love you, we honour you and we bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5, and it says, The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The truth is we are in a spiritual warfare. There's no shortcuts to that. The enemy doesn't take a break. He doesn't take a holiday. And, and if you are in a down moment, he's likely to stick the boot in. I'm sorry to say that this, if we are conscious that, that the spiritual battle that wages against us as believers and as just as human beings doesn't give up, all the more reason for us to be prepared and to be aware that we need the supernatural grace and covering of God and to partner with that, to partner with the Word of God and to um, bring it, in, come into agreement and bring it um, into our families. Presencing Jesus in everything that we do is simply as praying before a meal. And um, there's nothing worse than being halfway through your first mouthful and someone says, let's say grace. But it's important that we teach the next generation to do that and just say, well, let's just give thanks. Let's just thank God. And it's another little routine. It's another little bookend to our life that of including Jesus just in our everyday walking around life, <laughs> that we include him in simply saying, thanks for the food. Thank you for the way you provide. Thank you for being present around this table and uh, cover our conversation. So we bring every thought captive. Who knows that this, this is the biggest battlefield of the mind? I told you in the first session that I have suffered from anxiety and worry. And that's been a generational thing that um, <laughs> I used to watch my poor aunties and grandmothers sit around and chew their fingernails down and, you know, be worried about all sorts of stupid things. And when I became a Christian at 18, I decided to, that I wasn't just going to run with that. I wasn't going to come into partnership with fear and anxiety and worry because let to itself, it leads to depression. And let to itself, depression can lead to a real sense of hopelessness and can, can actually lock you up and park you in your place, a place of pain where you can't see a way forward. And that's the scheme of the enemy. And that, my friend, can be broken in Jesus' name. And I can testify to that, that my sister and I, when we came to Christ, she was 16 and I was 18. And we stood, stood together and held our hands and we said, this stops with us. This stops with our generation. And as teenagers, we made a pact with Jesus <laughs> that this... Um, uh, suicide, depression, anxiety, mental illness, 
and all the torment that's been thrown at very good people, I might add, they were good people in my family. The enemy robbed them, stole and killed at times, took their lives. And we said, this stops with us. This stops right here and right now. And in the name of Jesus, we did. And we have. And our children serve God and love God. And our grandchildren, she's, you know, a spirit-filled psychologist and an ACC minister and travels and ministers all over the world. And she's, Denise, no, she's completely opposite to me. She's tiny, skinny, with long dark hair right down the back of her legs. <laughs> and she's always been little and dark-haired and I've always been different. So it's just amazing what God's done with us and, and how he has taken that commitment and that partnership with him. And, and not just our lives have been greatly blessed, but our marriages, our children and our grandchildren. And I believe that, that even though you haven't had it modelled, even though you haven't had a, a perfect childhood and a great upbringing, it doesn't disqualify you from having the beauty and the grace of a life well-lived and well-catered for and cared for. God is faithful. He goes beyond your, your pedigree. <laughs> he goes beyond your heritage. And his life will flow through you and to your family and the next generation after you. I want to have a look at... Um, just to have a, a time of reflection and have a look at the life of um, Elijah. If um, you want to look up in 1 Kings 19, verses 1 to 10, I'm going to read from the NIV. Excuse me. And I'm just going to read these verses out so you can listen along to the story. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. And Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. Remember that line. And when he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Another point. While he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. Another point. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up, eat something. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank and he lay back down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up, eat some more. Your journey is too far and it will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. Strengthened by that food, he travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of the Lord. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down the altars and they put the prophets to death by the sword. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. Often after a great victory, 
where God has used you, you may be tired and feeling vulnerable. And that's where the enemy can attack. This is where we need to sort out truth from lies. God doesn't leave us in discouragement. He will lead us to encounter his presence. Elijah, in, down in verse 15, it says that Elijah received an encounter from God with fresh vision and fresh direction, be able to move on from where he was. But I'll take, pick up the story again in verse 11 to 15. Now the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and scattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind there came an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake either. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. Then Elijah heard it. When he heard it, he pulled his coat over his face, went out and stood by the mouth of the cave. And the voice of the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? God will come and speak to us in lots of different ways. It might be through a powerful encounter time. It might be through a prophetic word where you are... It might be an encounter time on an altar where you feel the power of his presence and, and hear the word preached with life. And, and, or it might be a supernatural miracle where God will break through into your life. But often it's through personal encounter with his loving presence, his voice gently speaking directly to our hearts. I know how easy that is to miss. I have missed it at times. And like Elijah, I've had to go back the way I came. And that was what the Lord said to him in verse 15. Go back the way you came. And he had left his servant and he'd gone into a wilderness and then he isolated himself and found himself vulnerable to attack. And I want to encourage you this morning. When I was preparing for this, I felt that this was specifically for people that would be here right now. That the Lord says to you, do not need to isolate yourself. You are not alone. You don't need to be alone. That he has provided help for you. And there are people that will come alongside you and help you. This is not hopeless. There is a way forward for you. He has a breakthrough for you. And it may be you need to go back where you got off the path. We talked about paths in the last session, about the the tracks and following that track in Psalm 23. And that pathway, even though it has some ups and downs and it may go through the valley of the shadows, you keep on that path and he will meet you and he will guide you. There is a way forward for you. So sometimes, as I said, it's often in that that gentle little voice. We go back. God said to him, go back to the way you came. Remember who you are. And I believe this is what the Lord says to you too. I have called you 
I will empower you. Get up and go again. And God will meet you there just like he did Elijah. He met him and as soon as he heard that gentle voice, Elijah recognised it. He recognised this is God's voice speaking to my heart with that little, still, small voice that you know, that you know, that you know. (laughs) It's God's voice speaking to your heart and he will speak to you the same way. And gave new instructions, fresh vision and direction to go on. And and that was the next passage. That was a download that came. The point A I've got from this Point A is the enemy often attacks your strengths as well as your weakness with lies that are the exact opposite of what the truth is. Have you noticed that? That whether it's a workplace um, dispute, whether it's within your own family, um, even within your own thinking, What's a strength and clearly an obvious strength in your life? He will come and attack you and tell you you're rubbish at that and that you're worthless at that. You may as well quit while you're ahead. You know, it's the exact opposite. And I have found after 61 years of life, it's the same old tricks to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next. There's nothing new in his box of dice and tricks. It's the same old stuff recycled to another generation but we don't need to fall for it we don't need to fall for it so be aware he attacks your strengths and there may be a truth there may even be a vulnerability and a weakness there but he will attack it and uh, make you feel far worse than what's necessary b elijah thought he was alone No, um, no better than his ancestors and that he was better off dead. When you, what's happened here, he had had an incredible victory on Mount Carmel where the prophets at Baal had challenged him to see, who, if God be God, if our God's God, then, then you, um, we have this big demonstration with the wood and the sacrifice and they covered it with water. Do you remember the story? And, and then they cried out to Baal and they cried out and, and nothing happened and, and they went to extreme lengths to try and get Baal's attention. Nothing happened. And then at the moment Elijah um, stood up to pray, God answered his prayer and woof, big flames of fire came and consumed the sacrifice, consumed the wood and licked up the water all the way around the sacrifice. He had had a major victory. Elijah had had, like he was telling these prophets about what for, and he, he that you know their God was not listening. He was busy. He was out of town, and and was mocking at them and confidently standing up to this. And Jezebel had him put to death. You know that we they fought a fought as a natural battle. We fight a spiritual. He had had great victory. In other words, he had prayed that it um, also for rain. And the rain, the size of a man's hand was seen in the sky. And then he said, okay, now hitch up your chariot and run. Let's go because the rain's coming. Like the tiniest little bit of faith. Can you get the background here? He had been mightily used of God. He had been victorious in battle. He was a champion of faith. And how did he end up here? You know, this is, it can happen. It can happen to anyone. 
and and great men and women of God and and uh, all of us at some stage or another can doubt ourselves, can doubt what God's doing through us and be subject to this kind of intimidation, bullying from the enemy. And he can use your workplace, he can use your family, sadly, the those that are closest to you and even within your own thinking um, to bring you down. But you don't need to isolate yourself. As I said, he wasn't alone. And, and he had a great heritage that he needed to, um, to live. He was not better off dead. He needed to live and move forward with that. So God speaks to him with this gentle voice. He gives him the food, you remember, and nurtured him so much so that he was able to go 40 days and nights on that. And uh, it was quite amazing. And, and the rest sustained him. He gave him fresh vision and direction and purpose for his journey. And that's what God will do for you too. He, the truth is you are not alone. You don't need to isolate yourself. God has called you. He will empower you and provide for your needs. Often the enemy will attack you where your strengths are. I just want to share a story that happened to us in May of this year. We took some long service leave. And we were down in Tasmania on um, a four weeks break. And we were woken up to the news, uh, some dreadful news. Um, a young mother had died and her four children um, in a car crash at, at Kingaroy. Some of you would be very aware of what I'm talking about. Um, that young mum um, had been coming to our church consistently and on and off for about over 20 years. Um, she came into our church. Um, she was one of the first people I visited when I first, 18 years ago, when I went to the bay. Um, her and her sister had been removed from their family home and put in a youth um, care facility. And I visited her and her younger sister as teenagers in that facility. And we were involved in trying to help this family, very, very troubled family, and lots of children towards, sort, yeah sorts of dads it was all a real a real um really painful sort of family and just prior we had um had walked this journey and and um she had gone away and was married and come back with a couple of children and then had a couple more and she was in our life group and she come to my home last year like we we you know very much a part of our church and was loved on and Meals were cooked by by women and, you know, cared for and prayed for and supported. She had mental illness and it wasn't widely known and, um, and we prayed and supported her. But she actually um, took her own life and, and drove into that truck with the children. And that was not known at first that that was the circumstances. And just prior to the police sort of doing their investigations, she had posted on Facebook. Um, part of her mental illness was that she would go on rants and and just blast the bakery for having dreadful service and blast the hospital for being useless and the doctors for not knowing anything. She would blast us as a church for being uncaring and wouldn't even give you a crumb of bread and wouldn't even come and see you. And then she would blast the other church that she was going to for, for being um, hopeless. And But for whatever reason, um, an international news feed cooked on to our church and our names 
And that rant, just one, from Bayside Church, and instantly around the world went this church abandons mother to, and daughter and children to death, um, wouldn't even give them a piece of bread. Like it went instantly around the world. Pastors Ross and Mary Lynn Davey from Bayside Christian Church. I had friends ring us from Germany. Another one from England, friends in Canada, said, are you guys all right? What's, what's happened? And, and I said, I don't know. And Ross was so ill with the flu on holidays. Funny that. And he was as crook as a dog. So he, he was really, really struggling to breathe. So he couldn't sort of fly straight away. We were going to just pack up and come home. We still had another couple of weeks of long service leave. But anyway, we waited a day until he was well enough to, to travel. And we came home to the media camped on our front lawn. Nine different television stations and some international. Um, so, so you're the church that doesn't care. Okay, so why didn't you care for that lady? Um, so what did you do to cause her to bag you? And, you know, and poor Peter and Ross and us are there trying to answer this without discrediting this poor girl. And... So we, we just had to wear it. It was like an attack like I have, I have never experienced in 40 years of ministry. I have never been shamed like that. We had people going past our church, like this out the window. We'd set up a, a, a flower tribute at the front because the mayor rang us. It was actually our daughter woke us up, thank God. It happened, and then the mayor and then the, the state representative, Ted Sorensen, like, we need you back in the bay. This is terrible. Something's horrible happened. And, and so, you know, they knew us. And, and so we, we began to pack up. But going back into that, and then all the rants, the, the posts that people pick up on it, and they know, they think they know the story, and then it's like, yeah, that'd be right. That'd be right. You know, that's, that's religion for you. Look at that. And they labelled this on us and on and on and on. And it just went. And a friend of ours who knew some people in Sydney who had originally posted this rang and said, look, you don't, you don't know the whole story. Nobody knows the whole story. So you just got to pull this off the international media because this is causing a lot of pain for a small community. And so it was pulled off the international media, but people picked it up and kept reposting it. So it's out there forever. It's there forever. That's Facebook for you. But we had to learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord and look at what's our strength. And Ross got really sick and then he come back and he was better and then I got really sick and the enemy said to me you deserve to be sick you you failed that girl and the the mind games that went on and I had to fight and I had to fight in the spirit a, a spiritual battle's got to be fought in the spirit not in the flesh we couldn't come out on the front lawn and say that's not true we we did this we did that we did come up with a statement that we had to repeat and try to give some explanation to the media. Um, but we couldn't justify ourselves and bag this poor girl. 
So long story short, um, then the police and the current, like this, there'll be a whole investigation. They found out there was more to the story and, and that it, you know, as I said, it was a murder-suicide. So there's a whole other investigation going on and they will, they will find out the truth. And they sort of backed off from us. In the middle of all that, we had to keep functioning. We, we actually took the memorial service for the, um, the city and the mayor and all the others, they said, we want you there. We didn't know whether we'd be booed or what. But, um, and they, so then we stood up and we did the service and then we did the funerals for the four little children as well um, on the following Friday. And God reminded me again, six months prior to that happening, um, the Lord said this through Michael Maiden, a prophet, um, he said, I saw your ministry, he called, called us out, your beautiful, your house, church is like a beautiful greenhouse. There are many beautiful exotic people that just flourish within it. <laughs> people flourish under your ministry because you are healthy. You are mo- emotionally and spiritually healthy. You have created a healthy environment and a beautiful culture. Keep doing the things you're doing. Watch and watch what God does. I declare a season of multiplication over your whole ministry. I had to read this again and again. There were other components to it, to encourage myself in the Lord and to get the truth and perspective back. I tell you that story because the enemy will attack what you know is the strength, what you, what you have in your house and try to throw enough mud to make it look the opposite and the lie. And, and that's a horrible experience to have to live through. But I can stand here today and say that I know God is faithful and that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him and that we serve him above our reputation, that we trust our reputation into God's hands and he will exonerate you. He will lift you up, even even if it doesn't seem like it right now. And quite out of the blue, um, we had three different occasions publicly in front of all the city fathers. uh, People singled us out and said, you know, Ross and Mary Lynn do a fantastic job in our community and we would be lost without them and, and said, uh, publicly acknowledged us um, in front of everyone <laughs> and the media were there too and, and, and we were not looking for it and it's three different occasions that has happened already since that day and, and I just think, well, Lord, you know, you have our future in, in your hands and God has yours also. So we need to... Stop and reflect at times over words that were given to you in the past, prophetic words, scriptures that God has spoken to you and that he has um, highlighted, something that he wants you to do in the future, a pathway that you need to take. He might have encouraged you to, to pursue a, a, a line of study. And in the natural, you know, people might say to you, what do you want to study that for? That's, you're not very gifted in that area. But if, if God's put it on your heart 
follow through with it and see what God will do with that because it could be that um, the seeds of that I've sown today will produce a great harvest in years to come. And, um, and whatever you can, remember, I've, I keep a little journal and write things down so that in times like that where you feel as if you're under attack, that you're able to remind yourself, sort out the truth from the lies, sort out what, um, what God has actually said, what's he said, what is, and pray, and we trust God to bring out um, the truth and ultimately um, he be glorified through it. Maybe you need a word today. Maybe you need to hear um, what God is saying into your heart right now. And I want to have a look um, at another story that talks about the two wells and where we draw our nourishment, where we draw our refreshment, where we draw our information um, and download from. And just before we do that, I'd just like to to just take a moment. Why don't you just put your notes down for a minute and just open your hands in front of you. And let's just take a moment. I'm just ask you, Father God, what do you want to say to me right now? God's speaking to you all across the room. I encourage you to remember that. If you got it, write it down before you forget. And take take these little pauses during the day and ask, Father God, What do you want to say to me right now? I'm sorry we're going to have to move on. But can you see how beautiful this is? Can you see how easy it is to connect with God's heart just like that? Just simply by asking. Simply creating an environment for encounter. And it can happen to you. Write that down before you forget. So two wells, Jacob's well and Jesus' well. In John 4, 5 to 15, it says, Jesus arrived at Samaritan, a Samaritan village, the village of Sidkar, near the field of Jacob, had given to his to son Joseph a long time ago. Weary from his long journey, he sat down on the edge of the well. He sent his disciples off to the village to buy some food because it was already the afternoon. A woman um, came out. My notes are all mixed up here. A Samaritan woman came out to draw water. And Jesus asked her for a drink. Culturally not acceptable. 
a Samaritan woman and a Jewish man was not could not um, speak without somebody else being there, but they were not um, those two cultures were not on speaking terms. And Jesus says, said to her, "If you only knew who it is that who I am and offer, and who it is that offers you this drink, I oh, hear it is." If you only knew the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for drink and I would give you living water. And the woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket and this well is really deep. So how can you give me living water? Do you think you're greater than our ancestors, Jacob, who dug this well and who fed their livestock, their children? Um, Jesus said, if you drink from Jacob's well, you will thirst again. And again and again. But if you drink the living water I give you, you will never thirst again and will forever be satisfied. And when you drink the water I give you, because I said my notes are all over the place, um, they will be to you a wellspring of life. And it will refresh, refresh and replenish you. So, so here we've got two wells. Jacob's well was a natural fed, fed spring that was used to refresh the to, to water the the animals and the people, the crops for generations. And the Samaritan woman, like people, relied on this. Australia is a dry country. You and I know how valuable water is. And how precious a commodity it is. And wherever it goes, it produces life. But sadly, we've seen in the drought this year, um, having started the year with such floods, <laughs> you know, to, to have this, the, the lack of water is, is painful. It's crippling. And so in this dry area, this well was a very natural source of, of, of life and, and sustenance. But if you go to a natural well for spiritual needs, you will be disappointed. And, and this is what Jesus is saying to her. If you go and you drink from Jacob's well, you will thirst again and again and again. But you do, there is a need to drink from Jacob's well. We all know that. We need the natural and um, the physical um, replenishment of water. God knows our needs. He knows our needs naturally. But what he is offering is a supernatural enhancement. It's a, it, and will become to you a wellspring of life that from the inside of you, out of you will flow rivers of living water. That will replenish you like a reservoir of the Holy Spirit within you. That will sustain you. That's what I'm talking about. Being able to draw like you just did right then. You drew from that living water. The well, the reservoir of the Holy Spirit within you. And invited him in. And you heard from God. You heard from God. And you can do that anywhere, anytime. Multiple times during any day. But the trouble is, with our world, is that we're drinking from Jacob's well and trying to get that living water 
trying to get spiritual, emotional needs, physical needs met, the whole thing from a natural source. One example, there's a horrible show, I'll call it a horrible show. Um, you know, these these people that go on these television shows looking for love and there's like a gazillion girls and there's one guy. And and it's it's so wrong. It's just so wrong <laughs> at every level. And those poor girls or those poor guys, they just get rejected and rejected. It's painful. I can't watch it. I just get so mad I end up yelling at the TV. And mum and Rachel goes, Mom, it's just a show. I said, it's rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. Don't watch it. And so <laughs> romance is my point. Us girls, we like romance. We want to be in love with love. We love weddings. Sometimes we get a couple, they don't even have to be young, but they're in love with love, coming to us and saying, can you marry us? We want to get married yesterday. You know, like we are so in love and and they're already got the dress and the flowers and the colours and the places booked and but there's no substance to their relationship and it's infatuation and it's sexual attraction and all that's beautiful and wonderful and it's what God designed us to enjoy and to delight in. But if you are dipping into that natural well to try to meet a need for security and identity and find who you are as a person, you're going to be disappointed because no one man can ever provide that for you. Only Jesus. Only in Christ Jesus. And our, our society seems to be um, hooked on, like the love songs are all about finding that soulmate. And there is music I listen to a broad range of music. I love music. I love songs of all kinds. And I know which, which songs are feeding into my soul <laughs> that, that touch me emotionally and that I will cry a sad story. Even um, country and western, God, God help us. You picked the fine time to leave me to sail. You know, <laughs> four hungry children and a crop in the field. Like I, I look at these songs and I think that's really sad. That's really, really sad. And I get moved by, you know, you picked the fine time to leave me Lucille. I know, I know you pulled that out of nowhere. <laughs> but there are songs about life. There are songs about sadness. There's a songs about, you know, love and war and peace and, you know, and they will move you. And I, you know, I spoke to some of my old relatives and I said, why did Australian soldiers walk off their farms, young men, walk off their farms and line up and walk to Tipperary? You know, like they all lined up and marched off in the First World War. And they said there was a guy came and played the French um, national anthem on the piano in our town hall. The French national anthem on the piano and they all marched off to war. You know, that's the power of music. They, and they, they didn't even have the words, you know. Like music can move your soul. And there are things in this world, movies, oh my goodness, movies will have you in tears and in laughter and in back again to tears. And you know, this, this is because we have a soul 
and and we have emotions and we have feelings and that's a natural process and God will use that in order to speak to us quite often speak to us and and then you know but this is where the soulmate comes in where where there's a there's a teaching there's a un, you know people seem to think that they will find that in a relationship if they could only find the one the right one they'll 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 be set for life well, i'm sorry to tell you but that's not that's not true there's there's definitely um nourishment and wealth and you know you will find in jacob's well you will find life you will find that you can live a life but it's not spiritually sustaining it's natural means for natural um natural causes but to get that supernatural um well that that sustenance you have got to have the living water of god and jesus stood on the steps in John 7, 37 and 38. And he said, on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowd, if any, all of you thirsty ones, come to me, come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scriptures said. Verse 39. Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit that believers were were being prepared to receive. But the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out upon them because Jesus had not yet been um, unveiled in his full splendor. The source of this living water itself comes from the throne of grace. It comes from the throne of God. And, if, and Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And as that, as that scripture um, says that this is, this is the stuff that the Holy Spirit being poured out from within you. And as you can access that, as I said, at any given time. When, and we drink from that well by our own choice. It's up to you. I just want to ask you this morning, today, what well are you drinking from? What well do you go and, and to, to look for? I have a, I have a friend who um, I've known for a lot of years, and she's a very, very capable, educated, gifted woman, and she is never unemployed, but she is highly driven, and I'm, I know that's the well that she drinks from. It's my achievements, my education, it's my abilities and my strong character. And I can do, I can do, I can do. And I'm never without employment. She's employed before she's even left the, the other place because of the skill set that she has. And I have watched her drive herself to skin and bone, trying to get fit and stay in the fountain of youth, you know. And it's just the wrong well and I I try out of love for my friend to say you know why are you so driven what's driving you you know you you are enough you and Jesus are enough you know and when you drink from that well you can't stay forever young you can't stay forever employed there will be someone come out of university that will quickly take your place 
you know, and it's, it's a well that is of disappointment. And I've watched other friends do this that have had careers and that have gone on. I got married and had babies and they were sort of like, oh, poor you. But I'm a grandmother now, <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's the way to go. It was the way I, I was meant to go. But um, what I'm trying to say is there is, um, there is a, a point where you have to choose to drink from the well of living water that's going to sustain you. There's another well that people drink from and that's their own, if it's not their own um, achievements and intelligence and gifting, it can be to self-medicate. People drink from the well um, of alcohol. They drink from the well of drugs and multiple relationships. In love with love, like I said, a new love, a new town, a new job. We'll pack up and we'll go to whoop whoop, you know. It'll be all better over there. Everything will be better out there. And they just, it's another well. And it's a, it's a dry one, you know. And we run um, a drug and alcohol rehab that's connected rather to our church transformations. And we see a lot of people that are bound in, sh- in guilt and shame. And this is what often drives people. And like I said, some people find it hard to slow down because they just can't be alone with their own feelings and their sense of inadequacy. They keep themselves really, really busy so they don't have to feel. And when they do, they can't help it, but they down it goes. Or they get on the pokies. I watch, sometimes I walk through the RSL at... At um, Harvey Bay, we've got a lot of seniors and we've got a lot of people with time on their hands and, and I just watch them and I just think, oh, God, those poor souls, those poor people and just pouring their lives down, down these little machines. It's the wrong well. And there's, that's the well of self-comfort, of self-medication. And God wants to set us free from that. He doesn't want us drawing from that well and looking to relationships, looking for the perfect partner, for the perfect family, for the perfect family home that's, um, that's not going to satisfy. Um, Philippians 4 and verse 13 from the Amplified says, I have, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and peace. That's from the Amplified Bible. I'll read it again. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything, equal to anything, through him who infuses inner strength and peace into me. I encourage you to take um, the experiences that you have experienced in life and learn from them. They say that you only learn from an experience when it's an evaluated experience. When you can evaluate what happened, what was the result, and look into and see what, what happened in that situation and learn from that. It will become a valuable experience. And God will teach you out of that and, and when you evaluate, it gives you perspective. It gives you the advantage of height. Um, you'll be able to, to look back and look at the situation. When we were in Tasmania, 
as I said, we went on to, um, uh, we did a lot of driving and hiking. As my husband likes adventures and loves driving holidays. So I, I like to unpack once and be on a beach somewhere. And he likes to drive and drive and drive. And so we, we drove around Tasmania and we came to um, a place called Wineglass Bay. And it's a very hick, um, steep climb. And he said, oh, it's all right. It's only an hour's climb. So it was. It was an hour's climb like this. And we didn't need ropes or anything, but it was, you know, hanging on at places. And we finally got to the top. And I could see with perspective, like with height and distance, we, I could see out before us why it was called Wineglass Bay because it was literally the stem. You could see the land we were in like was, was the cup and then it went down like this and, and to a, a peninsula and then out, which just looked like a wine glass and there was the sea either side. And I remember thinking of this, this um, experience. I thought, wow, you know, that this is um, when you've been through an experience and you're able to evaluate and, and you, you take reflective thinking and, and look back. It gives you perspective and God will show you and teach you when you can evaluate with him, you'll get the, you'll get the point of what you've been through and he will take you through further. It gives you clear perspective. In the heat of the moment, we can't always see what's happening. But if we avoid the process Processing our emotions, it will leave us tied up in knots. Reflective thinking led by the Holy Spirit enables us to distance ourselves from the intense emotions of the experience and see it with fresh eyes. It gives you perspective and clarity and then you're able to process, take the next step, give him the emotional baggage and say, Lord, I give this over to you. I can't carry this on my own. And he will give you the yoke that's meant for you. Each of us has been shaped by our experiences in life, both good and bad. So there's another comment. What we refuse to deal with will deal with us. (laughs) We bring it into the light. We face it. We trace it and we replace it. God will give you. So just as we... um, we come to um, a close for this session. I just want to read some scriptures again to you and how you can remind you of how you can come into this confident rest. Hebrews 4, 1 and 2 from the Passion. It says, Now God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. You must, um, so we must be extremely careful to ensure that we embrace all the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. For we have, we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did. Was talking about the children of Israel, yet they did not join their faith with the word. Did you hear that? Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply and they doubted. Let's let the word of God affect us deeply. Let's let it sink past that, oh, that's nice. Let it go down into your heart and spirit. Take those little moments to rest in his presence, to pause and to download and say, 
what do you want to say to me, Father God? And let him speak to you. And you partner with that word that we read there, that that this is what he has for us. And then on in verses 8 to 9. Now, if this promised rest um, was fulfilled with Joshua, um, brought the people into the promised land, God would not have said that there was another rest yet to come. If it had finished with the Israelites, they wouldn't have promised this rest for us now. In other words, this is for today. It's not just back then. This is for us here right now. So we we conclude that there is still a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience. And how can we come into this rest? What was the first point? Stop. The second? Rest. Come on. The third one? Delight and encounter. Say it again. Stop. Rest. Delight, encounter, you got it. (laughs) And we speak the truth of God's Word over our lives. We separate the truth from the lies, know that we're in a spiritual battle that, sorry, it comes with the territory and and, and we can accept it, acknowledge it, but not be fearful of it. But we embrace the armour and He has, what we read earlier, He has equipped us, He's empowered us. I'm ready for anything and up for anything. I'm equipped. He gives us what we need to deal with the shadows of the past. I love this verse. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High will rest under the shadow of the Almighty. There can be shadows that come over your life from the past. You don't have to come under those shadows. You don't have to. Because it says that those who dwell in the secret place, that's that place of refreshment, that place of of drawing on that right well, letting His love and life sustain you. Those that dwell in the secret place of the Most High will rest under the shadow of the Almighty. Life is not without its storms, but when your roots go down deep into God, you don't need to fear the wind. On Phillip Island, um, we saw (laughs) the wind is so strong on Phillip Island that the trees grow um, with their roots back like this and the the leaves are like (laughs) into the wind. They're just like hanging on and it it was crazy and I called them gnarly tough trees on Phillip Island. I've just got to, that reminded me, life is not without strong wind, it's not without storms but when your roots go down deep into the bedrock of God's heart and love, you will flourish, you will radiate, you will, you will radiate with the life and the vitality, and you will flourish in the courts of God. And wherever you are, for that matter, you will flourish. Even on a place where if you, you didn't, you could get blown into the Antarctic, you know, if you, if you just let go. God will hold you and He will give you the strength to hang on to Him and to flourish in that place that was most unlikely. And then in verse 3 of Hebrews 4, it says, And those of us who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. This is what I've been saying today. For those of you who believe, it's, it's whosoever believes. There's no, you know, doesn't have to be young or old, whatever race. 
rich or poor, whoever believes, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. Confident rest, faith rest life is for you. The truth of God's Word over your family will work for you. You will be able to resist the enemy and grow strong gnarly roots that will hang on through any situation. You're not going anywhere, darling. God's got you. He says, I, and, and this is what the truth words that, I, that you need to say. I have this in my little room and you need to have them with yours too. I am called, I am chosen, I am forgiven. I can do all things through Christ who infuses me with supernatural strength. I have everything I need. I am equal to the task and I'm ready for it. <laughs> this is what God has for you. A flourishing life that you will radiate with His goodness and have that sense of peace no matter what. Because out of here, the reservoir of the Holy Spirit, out of here comes the rivers of living water that will sustain you and it self-fills. It self-fills. It doesn't go empty because that come the source comes from the throne of God. It comes from the Holy Spirit. So you don't need to come up with anything. It's replenished for you. All we need to do is draw from that right well. <laughs> we draw from that river of living water. And then Jesus said, if you're thirsty, if you really want me, it'll come. It'll flow. And that's how we get filled and refilled and filled again with the Holy Spirit. Why don't you stand with me, girls? And let's just give this moment again in time that we share together. Let's stand and respond to the call of God on your heart today. Like I said when I started, I believe that God's wanting to set people free from anxiety and fear. And there's something else that I felt too. Shame. Shame and guilt. They just rob your peace. They rob your identity. What guilt is, is like you get caught speeding. I did the wrong thing. I feel guilty when, when the blue light comes behind me. You feel guilty. And, and that lasts for, a, you know, while well, well he draw, writes out the ticket. But shame says, what's wrong with you that you're still speeding and you're getting, look at those people looking at you. And shame says there's something wrong with me. And that's what Jesus took on the cross, guilt and shame. He took our shame and he nailed it. It was nailed to the cross. There's nothing wrong with you. The enemy would try to tell you that you're fundamentally flawed. That's a lie. You need to know the truth. The truth is that you are a uniquely created individual. Before you were even born, God knew you. And He still does. He loves you. He made you with the gifts and the strengths that you possess for a reason. You're not an accident. You're not here by anybody's will but God's. God is the giver of life. Life is precious. It's a gift. Whether it's you're a week old in the womb or a hundred years old on earth, life, human life is precious. It's God-given, God-ordained, and we need to protect it.
And the gift that God gives you is your strength. He has, you have strength. You are stronger than you know. And He wants to to set you free from that lie. The enemies try to attack that strength with this false lie that you are flawed. And that's where shame comes in. Something is wrong with me. And that's what needs to be broken this afternoon. And that's what you can bring to God and say, God, I want the truth over these lies. I've been told this, I've felt that, but I give this to you and I'm not going to believe this lie any longer. If you'd like to respond, why don't you come out the front as the girls and guys are going to play and sing. We're going to make an altar, a response time, an encounter time here where you can stop and you can say, here I am.